Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 88 O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to hear my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to, draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit, I am like those who have no help, like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call on you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. Leviticus chapter 15 verses 19 to 31 When a woman has a discharge of blood that is her regular discharge from her body, She shall be in her impurity for seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Everything upon which she lies during her impurity shall be unclean. Everything also upon which she sits shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. Whoever touches anything upon which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. Whether it is in the bed or anything upon which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be made unclean until the evening. If any man lies with her and her impurity falls on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which she lies shall be unclean. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of her discharge she shall continue in uncleanliness. As in the days of her impurity shall she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies during all the days of her discharge shall be treated as the bed of her her impurity, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes and bathe in water, and be unclean until the evening. If she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count seven days, and after that she shall be clean. On the eighth day she shall take two turtle doves, or two pigeons, and bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. 
The priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord for her unclean discharge. Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, so that they do not die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1-5 through 5. Now it is not necessary for me to write you about the ministry to the saints, for I know your eagerness, which is the subject of my boasting about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia will, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not prove to have been empty in this case, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we will be humiliated to say nothing of you in this undertaking. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you, ahead to you, and arrange in advance for this bountiful gift that you have promised, so that it may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 88, Leviticus 15, and 2 Corinthians 9. And I, I'm, I can only assume that the um, lectionary authors are just trying to get through Leviticus because it doesn't seem to tie um, clearly to anything that Paul writes. Um, Leviticus 15 is about two things. On the one hand, it's the regular, a woman's regular period, and the other is appears to be a miscarriage of some kind. Um, and I don't know for sure, um, but uh, the regular discharge, um, and any well, in both cases, discharge of blood um, is make someone unclean. Um, and before we had, you know, soap, or well, I mean, they had soap, but before we knew what we know now about, um, blood and, and everything else, um, there were two things that were really important for life, breath and blood. Um, and if your breathing stopped or if your blood was released, uh, they knew that something very important was happening. If you cut someone open, you saw mostly blood. You know, if you were like um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci or, you know, someone else who like really took an interest in understanding things and not just kind of recoil at the sight, if you cut someone open, the first thing you see is blood. Um, and so a, a strong correlation was made between blood and death. Uh, well, life, really, that life was contained in some combination of breath and blood. Um, breath was the gift of God, and somehow blood is what we're, you know, we're filled with. And so in um, ancient cultures, um, blood um, was seen as a very strong uh, symbol of death. Um, and the, you know, death coming into contact with a corpse and everything else is a big taboo for many ancient cultures, not just um, uh, the ancient Israelites. Um, and so a woman, when she menstruates, um, she is thought of as unclean and impure because of the amount of blood. 
or because the presence of blood doesn't matter what the amount. Um, and it it strikes me, it reminds me that um, you know menstruation is one of the reasons that you know fueled um, properly or not fueled the debate about or the the resistance to allowing women into combat arms specialties. You know, oh my, you know, God forbid, every 30 days you have to do something uh, that men don't have to do. Um, even in, you know, even today when we have all kinds of resources uh, to make that uh, far less the burden it once was, still there's something thought of as, as unclean or impure or fill in the blank. I mean, we wouldn't call it that, but, you know, it's not a far cry from the arguments that's, that have been made to uh, segregate women from men in some way, including in the military. Um, and I say that it represents death because it appears that this second, uh, the second part of Leviticus um, and the NRSV, it breaks into paragraphs. Um, it talks about a woman who has uh, a discharge for many days, but not at the time of her impurity, which is to say her men- menstrual period. Um, that seems to me to suggest a miscarriage, which would literally be death. Um, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I think life begins at conception. Um, and I think that's not incredibly different from what the ancient Israelites and other cultures thought. Um, it usually, um, at least as far back as the third or fourth century, the consensus was, you know, there's life and in, in a legal sense when the the baby begins to move. Before that, you know, maybe you could be pregnant, maybe you aren't, you know, um, and that's when a lot of miscarriages occur. We hear a lot about miscarriages now because we can detect a pregnancy much earlier in as little as like two, three, four weeks. Um, but in the in the past, they couldn't do that. And the first sign of life might have been what's now called the quickening, which is when the baby stirs in the mother's womb in her uterus. Now, the mom probably knows before that, um, not all the time, but um, when you bleed, not on your period, it's likely a sign that you are pregnant and you are no longer pregnant. And so the connection with death is direct. It's not, you know, by insinuation. There is death that your body is cleansing um, from you. Um, And contact with a corpse becomes complicated. Um, the woman is alive, but her her child has died. Um, I've always thought um, that Mary, well, any pregnant woman, is this um, kind of uh, you know vision of what it means to be a triune being like God. You know, technically, a woman, uh, a pregnant woman, uh, could. It could be argued that she properly deserves a plural pronoun because there are two people in one body. Um, but when one body dies, you know that means that that the child, the the conceived life, has polluted uh, the life of the mother, you know, ritually, morally. Um, and so the Israelites would have seen that as, look, we don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong and something has died. Um, and uh, these are the steps by which uh, that death is, is mitigated. 
Um, and so the, um, I mean, the, the focus on menstruation may make um, male listeners or, and readers of the RCL uncomfortable. But this has been, you know, this has been a fact of life for half the population for all time. Um, and this is something that ancient cultures, including uh, our spiritual forebears, had to come to terms with. What does it mean that we think something has has died, something must be done to recognize the loss of life and, and um, how that has affected our community and how that has affected the the you know the ritual purity of what we do and why we do it um, in the military. I, I don't know. I've I've always kind of heard those arguments and rolled my eyes. Um, it wasn't something that I was all that invested in or not. Um, when I was in Hawaii, I think we had female medics at the brigade level, and that was like the closest women had ever been to any unit that I had been attached to. Um, and you know, fast forward, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, there was this... Um, unfortunate report out of Fort Bragg that a paratrooper had been killed. And it turns out the paratrooper was a woman. And not only, you know, did this, and it's tragic, I, I use it as an illustration, um, that that paratrooper was a 13 Fox. And so that means that she was serving in the same um, battalion, fire battalion, um, that I had served in. And she was a 13 Fox, I mean, my exact same MOS. And so it was like novel to me um, to to think about oh well here's here's the the fruit of what it is that you know some of these kind of back and forth debates that the military has had um, and it's a reminder that um, I mean it sounds it, it sounds so obvious and simplistic and yet you know it wasn't it hadn't dawned on me until. A woman, you know, was serving in the exact position I had. Um, it happened that she had died. I don't know how many women are thirteen foxes um, in the eighty-second Airborne, but um, that 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 cognitive disconnect has been there. You know, has been there ever since I served, even though it wasn't something I was committed to. Similarly, with the Bible, like you know, the way that cultures have been set up over time. The vast majority of them have been um, dominated by male perspective and imagination, um, and that that perspective and imagination uh, has tried to come to terms with what it means that this community is not that this community includes fully, um, you know, uh, uh, half the population does something that the other half, the half that's writing these books and and commanding a disproportionate amount of social and um, uh, financial power. Um, on the one hand, it's it's tragic that um, that we haven't, we as in um, men who have uh, kind of a, a, a disproportionate amount of control and have had, um, it's tragic that that's the case, that that's novel and and unique to us, whereas the other half of, you know, the human population, that's normal and routine. And we're at a point in particular now in America where 
uh, those chickens are kind of coming home to roost. We're, we're realizing we're at this point of, of uh, miraculous understanding uh, that is breaking down some of these barriers and dividing walls. Um, and sometimes it's it comes off as odd, like two full paragraphs, I don't know how many verses of your talk of menstruation, um, which is routine. It's totally normal. Half the population uh, experiences it at, you know, to some degree. Um, but that's the half of the population that has been on the margins. Um, and those margins are now coming to the center um, in a in a really interesting way. And I think um, that is something that uh, serves as a really uh, important reminder of what it means to be this community, um, this integrated community of faith uh, where... Um, you know, the mountains are made low and the valleys made high so that we may all, you know, walk together on even ground with, uh, with the God of our salvation. A prayer for the poor and neglected from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget the homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.